1 Samuel chapter number 20. 1 Samuel chapter number 20. I want to read the story to you. We're going to read the 42 verses we find in this chapter. It's the story of David getting the bad news from three arrows and his friend Jonathan that it is for certain that Saul wants to take his life. Uh, it's a blow that no doubt cuts to the core of David and something that both breaks his heart, but something also that God will use to form him into the king that God has so designed him to be. And we begin our reading here in chapter number 20, verse number 1 of the book of 1 Samuel. And if you'll remember from our preaching last week and studying and learning God's word together, last week uh, Saul and three companies of his men, messengers, had been sent to the prophet's house, Samuel, in order to bring David back so they could slay him. Finally, Saul went himself. And something unusual happened. They started having a hallelujah fit, and all of them was uh, praising God and had lost control of themselves. And David slips out and away from Saul, and his life is spared. And we pick up in verse number 1 of chapter number 20 as David flees from Saul. The Bible says in verse 1, And David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father, that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king at meat, but let me go that I may hide myself in the field under the third day at even. If thy father at all miss me, then say, David earnestly ask leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he say thus, it is well, thy servant shall have peace. But if he be very wroth, then be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee, notwithstanding, if there be in me iniquity, slay me thyself. For why shouldst thou bring me to thy father? Now we come to the first eight verses here, and the story looks like this. Saul has sent multiple people to come and slay David, and Saul has come himself, but Jonathan, his son, has no idea that his father, Saul, is out to kill David. There was a time a while back when Saul was full of anger and Jonathan had talked him off the cliff, so to say. And there was peace and things went, life went on like normal. But Saul's heart was full of rage again because David had wrought another great victory. And because Saul was envious of David, Saul's heart was full of contention. And Saul once again was determined and will continue to be determined for the rest of Saul's life to kill David. But at this moment, Jonathan doesn't know anything about it. And so 
David and Jonathan make a plan and work through their pact to find out if for sure, in fact, Saul wants to still take David's life. So David says, I'll hide here in the field for three days. And if your dad notices that I'm missing from the table, I should be there. And if he's wroth because you tell him I've gone to Bethlehem to be with my family, they will understand and know that he's out to kill me. If he's at peace, they will know it's all as well. And David says something interesting at the end of verse 8. He says, Jonathan, if there be in me iniquity, he says, slay me yourself. He says, if I've done anything wrong, just go ahead and slay me. I just don't want to be wrong. He says, I need you to find out if your dad wants to kill me. Verse 11, the Bible says, And Jonathan said unto David, Come and let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father, that word sounded means when I've asked my father, when I've made a sounding board out of my father, when I've consulted with my father, when I've figured out what he's wanting. O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow, any time, or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, and I then send not unto thee, and show it thee. The Lord do so, and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee, and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he hath been with my father. And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemy. Now, something interesting here. They're in this moment here of despair, and Jonathan and David, they pray together. And Jonathan cries out of the Lord, and they renew their commitment one to another, renew their friendship. It's a precious thing to see how God has knit their hearts, and they're determined to do right by one another. And they make a promise in verse 15. I want to make a note here and share with you something that we'll see later as we study through God's Word. But in verse 15, David promises Jonathan that for my whole life and forever... The house of David will honor the house of Jonathan. The house of David will honor and show respect and love the house of Jonathan. This commitment was one of the things that kept David from raising his hand against Saul. One of the things. But it is the very thing that calls David after David becomes the king of rightful king of Israel. When David is seeks out a young man named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is a beautiful story. I'd encourage you, if you don't know it well, to find it and read it. The story of Mephibosheth, after David's become king, he asked for someone in the house of Jonathan. Jonathan was, had been dead for some time, and he seeks for someone in the house of Jonathan that he could show his kindness to in honor of this promise. And Mephibosheth was a lame boy. Mephibosheth was helpless. 
And King David calls Mephibosheth the grandson of the enemy and brings him into his home and feeds him and takes care of him. And it's a beautiful story of God's grace and his mercy. And this, it sparks out of verse number 15. David and Jonathan, they commit to one another. That they're going to do right. Do right by one another. By the way, that's the kind of friend you ought to have. You ought to have the kind of friend who you can pray with. Hey, you ought to have the kind of boyfriend or girlfriend that you can pray with. If you can't pray with your date, they probably shouldn't be your date. And if you can't pray with your friends, they probably shouldn't be your friends. If you've done things so wrong in the presence of your friends that you can't name the name of your God, you probably need to repent. That goes for our teens and our adults and our children all alike. God help us. They prayed together. Verse 16, Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. And when thou hast stayed three days, then thou shalt go down quickly and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself. When the business was in hand and shalt remain by the stone easel, and I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof as though I shoot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad saying, Go find out the arrows. If I expressly say unto the lad, Behold, the arrows are on this side of thee, Take them, then come thou, for there is peace to thee and no hurt as the Lord liveth. But if I say thus unto the young man, Behold, the arrows are beyond thee. Go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away. Now, Jonathan says, here's how I'm going to let you know what dad's response is to you being gone. Here's how we'll confirm or deny whether or not your life is in jeopardy. He says, I'm going to come to the stone easel where you're hiding out, and I'm going to bring a lad, and I'm going to bring a bow and three arrows. He says, I'm going to shoot three arrows like I'm shooting at a target. And I'm going to shoot those three arrows and then I'm going to send the lad to get them. As I send the lad to get them, if I say the arrows are on the side of thee, he says, if I say that, David, you just get up from behind the rock, bring the arrows, all is well. But if I say the arrows are beyond thee, then you can know for certainty that your life is in jeopardy and you need to leave. The Bible says in verse number 23, And it's touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of. Behold, the Lord be between thee and me forever. So David hid himself in the field. And when the new moon was come, the king sat down to eat meat. And the king sat upon his seat as at other times, even upon a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, and David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul spake not anything that day. For he thought, something hath befallen him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. First day he's not there. Saul doesn't say anything. Verse number 27. It came to pass on the morrow, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said unto Jonathan his son, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet, neither yesterday nor today? And Jonathan answered and Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. 
And he said, Let me go, I pray thee, for our family hath a sacrifice in the city, and my brother, he hath commanded me to, to be there. And now if I have found favor in thine eyes, let me get away, I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore he cometh not unto the king's table. So Jonathan gives his father Saul the explanation for why David is not there. He tells Saul that he's gone to Bethlehem just to test the waters and see what's going on, what is in Saul's heart. And I'll have you know something. Saul did not receive the news very well. Look what Saul does, verse 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and under the confusion of thy mother's nakedness. Verse number 30 is an official slam on your son. He was calling him bad things. And he says, you've chosen David over me. Verse 31 Saul continues, For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. I want to see something that bothered King Saul. King Saul was more burdened about Jonathan filling a position as the next king of Israel, which was not his rightful place, than he was Jonathan being righteous. Let me tell you something. Dads and moms and grandparents alike, Yearn for your children to succeed, but yearn for your children to succeed in godliness. Don't set some flowery dream before your children that leaves God out. The greatest failures in life is to succeed at something that is outside of God's will. And I'm scared to think that we push our children into things that are not God's will And we're willing to do things that are sinful and wrong in order for our children to get what we want them to have, which God doesn't want them to have. And if God doesn't want them to have it, they don't need it. And it's not best. And here we see King Saul. He is so mad at John. He says, as long as David, that righteous boy, is your friend, you'll never rise to power. But we see it's Saul that ultimately leads Jonathan into a place where he loses his life. The Bible says, Wherefore now, the middle of verse 31, Wherefore now, send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. Verse 32, And Jonathan answered Saul his father, I love the courage of Jonathan, and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? Why should he be slain? What hath he done? Verse number 33, And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. What's Saul do? Well, Saul's got a bad habit, doesn't he? How many times have we seen Saul in the last few weeks pick up a javelin and try to kill somebody with it? His own servants and now his own son. Somebody needs to take the javelin away. Don't you think so? Verse 34, so Jonathan, knowing that His father wanted to slay David. Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month. For he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. Verse 35, And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. And he said unto his lad, Run, 
Find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, haste, stay not. And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his artillery unto this lad, unto his lad and said to him, Go, carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Folks, I want you to know, when Jonathan cried out, Is not the arrow beyond thee? It broke the heart of David. What a sad moment. What a, what a difficult moment to be betrayed by someone you love. What a difficult moment to be betrayed by someone you respected, by someone that had some authority in your life. What a difficult moment to be betrayed. There's a phrase in verse number 10 I want to read to you and preach this message. The introduction is very long. The message will probably be pretty short. I say probably. I've been threatening all the Florida State fans I'm going to preach for like three hours tonight, but it's just not true. I want you to see what the Bible says in verse number 10. Then said David to Jonathan, Who shall tell me? Or what if thy father answer thee roughly? Look at that little phrase. What if thy father answer thee roughly? In the early moments of this message, of this passage of Scripture, I should say, David is thinking about the conversation that Jonathan is going to have with Saul. By the way, the conversation with Jonathan and Saul turns out pretty rough, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, Saul picks up a javelin and tries to kill his own son because he's so mad, and Jonathan leaves mad as a hornet, full of rage. The Bible says right here, it's an interesting question. It's a probing question. What if thy father answer thee roughly? What are you going to do if your father answers roughly? What are you going to do if you face persecution? What are you going to do if somebody you've put your trust in turns their back on you? What are you going to do if you get mistreated? What are you going to do if your father answers roughly? First of all, I want you to think about this. The fact of the matter is, as we live our Christian lives, the chances of having these situations, these moments where you're mistreated, the odds are stacked in your favor. It's going to happen. And God's people need to learn to respond to being mistreated with the Spirit of Christ. And we see in this passage of Scripture, what if thy father answer roughly? We see Jonathan and we see David with a right spirit determined to respond righteously to the trouble that will come because 
the unfaithfulness, the unkindness, the envy, the anger, the wrath and the rage of someone they both respected or tried to. What if thy father answered roughly? There's four things I want to bring to your attention. If you're dealing with trouble, persecution, difficulty from someone in your life, what if thy father answered roughly? What should we do? Number one, number one, we should yearn for what is right and be willing to be wrong. We should yearn for what is right and be willing to be wrong. So David has just left an interesting situation. Saul and all of his men are having a hallelujah party because God has distracted them long enough for David to get out of Dodge. We come to verse number 1 of chapter number 20, and the Bible says that David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before John, he seeks out his friend John, and he says, What have I done? Now, I'm just telling you, I don't believe that David has the kind of attitude, he's a man after God's own heart, the kind of spirit that is speaking in a condescending way, he is genuinely wanting to find out, what have I done? What have I done wrong? He wanted to know what was right. And so therefore, he asked, what have I done wrong? What have I done? Look at the next phrase in verse number one. What is my iniquity? What have I done wrong? In the third part, he says, what is my sin? Before thy father, that he seeketh my life. The first thing I want to remember If your father answers you roughly, if you're dealing with persecution, if you're dealing with difficulty with other people, number one, you need to yearn for what is right and be willing to be wrong. What does David want? He says, I just want to be right. Now, if we can get to the place in our Christian lives where we just want to be right, instead of wanting to stand our ground and make what we've chosen that is wrong right, if we want to just be right, it makes a difference. You know the difference, right? Have you ever seen somebody that was dead wrong, but they were determined to try to prove that what they're dead wrong about, they're actually right about? Does that make any sense at all? It's a sad state of affairs. It's a sad state of affairs to be so proud and so proud-minded that when you have made up your mind about something, right, wrong, or indifferent, specifically wrong and indifferent, you will not change your mind irregardless to the facts that are presented to you. That's not the spirit of a Christian. As a matter of fact, Jonathan speaks to Saul in this text and says, Dad, what has he done? Saul doesn't even answer it. Saul doesn't even answer. Saul answers not with words and logic and reason. He answers with a javelin in his hand and attempts to kill his own son. Now, folks, Saul is the perfect example of what you don't want to be. You get yourself in a contentious situation. You get yourself in your heart and your spirit to the place where you're willing to find out what is actually right And you're also willing to be wrong. David, he said, I want to be right. He says to to Jonathan, what have I done wrong? We should yearn for what is right and we should be willing to be wrong. Look what the Bible says in verse number 8. In verse number 8, the Bible says, Therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant. For thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee, notwithstanding, if there be in me iniquity, slay me thyself. What's David say to Jonathan? He says, Jonathan, listen. If I'm in iniquity, if I've done something wrong, he says, hey, you just slay me yourself. He says, I'm willing to be wrong. 
If you, get in, if you ever get into a contentious situation and you yearn to do what is right and know what is right and you're willing to be wrong, nine times out of ten, the contention of that moment will go away. Because when we humble ourselves and we don't have a proud spirit, God intervenes and it brings about reconciliation. I read a story in a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. told the story of a man and his wife. They'd grown up really rough and she was a fighter and he was a fighter, but she got saved. She was going to a certain church and faithfully attending that church and her husband was mean. And her husband said, I'm going to tell you something. If you ever go back to that church, I'm going to break your legs, both of them. And Spurgeon said he was the kind of man that had the constitution that could do it. The lady, meekly, in an effort to obey God, went back to church. She came home and he said, where have you been? And she'd called the name of the church that he'd threatened her that he should, she should never go back to. When she called the name of the church, he hid her. She stood shaking and said, If you hit me on the other cheek, I will forgive you the same as you hit me on this one. Immediately, this hard, cold man was moved by her meekness. He said, Where did you go? He said, I've been to the church. She said, he said, well, if the church teaches you to act like that, then you can keep going. The story goes it wasn't long till he went too, and both of them were saved, and God made a Christian home. Amen. I'm just saying that the answer to being undone, the answer to when your father treats you roughly, the answer to when you've been mistreated is not... Return evil for evil. But you begin with the spirit that yearns for what is right and is willing to be wrong. That's what we learn. Point number one. Point number two, what do we do if your father answers roughly? Point number two, we pray. I think it's wonderful to see what David and Jonathan do. Verse 11, the Bible says, And Jonathan said unto David, Come and let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. They got a big problem. What are we going to do? Verse 12, and Jonathan said to David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow any time or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, and I, I then send not unto thee and show it thee, the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. What's the first thing they do? They pray. Jonathan cries out to the Lord. He says, now, God, you hear me. If I don't treat David right, you do worse to me than my father wants to do today. They pray. I'm so thankful when we deal with difficult situations, when we're mistreated, when we find ourselves in a spot like David, where even someone in authority have used their power and abused us, we have the opportunity and the privilege to go to the Lord in prayer. Our nature is to put up our dukes. But the Spirit of God teaches us to give this to God. Jonathan and David prayed. What if thy father answer roughly? Number one, yearn for what is right and be willing to be wrong. Number two, pray. Number three, number three, remain loyal and loving. What's the temptation 
that we have in our spirits when we go through difficult times, when we've been mistreated or cheated or lied about or hurt by others, our temptation is to be bitter and angry. Now look, some of you have been through deep waters, and I'm not telling you that this is just something that you need to do and get over it. I don't have that spirit at all. But I am confident that Creator God has the power to give you victory as you seek Him over bitterness and anger and wrath when you have been mistreated and undone. And I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you when you find yourself having a spirit of bitterness as opposed to a spirit of love. I ask God to forgive you. Did you hear that? They did you wrong, but if you have a spirit of bitterness, you need to ask God to forgive you. And we must continue with a spirit of love and loyalty. What did Jonathan and David do? We'd be tempted, I'll tell you one thing. If you're cut from that cloth, if you're a son of that man Saul, I don't want anything to do with you. There's no chance you'll ever be a blessing to me. We're tempted when we're undone by one person to hate others for it. Isn't that sad? We're tempted when we're undone by one person to take it out on somebody else. But I want to encourage you. If you find yourself in a situation, what if thy father answers roughly, remain loyal and loving? What did Jonathan David do? Verses 13 through 40 really give us a picture of this whole story and this idea. We will not take the time to look at it all. But I'll tell you this, they remained loyal to one another. They said, just because I've been forsaken by one person doesn't mean that everybody's going to forsake me. Just because I can't trust Saul to be my friend doesn't mean that I can't trust Jonathan to be my friend. Just because my dad was really rough on me doesn't mean that David is not a loving, kind, gracious person that I can put my trust in. If you're not careful, the devil will convince you that you can trust no one, that you can love no one, that you can be loyal to no one because of what one person has done to you. And if we deal with adversity, with that spirit, we are the loser. God, help us. When you find yourself undone, treated unjustly, remain loyal and loving. Remain loyal and loving. Now, it's not going to be easy, but it is going to be necessary. Remain loyal and loving. When the spirit of bitterness boils up in your heart, repent of your sin. And try to love and trust again. And when it boils up again, repent of your sin and try to trust and love again. And I'll have you know something. If you'll keep that process up, every time it happens, perhaps it will happen less and less. And God will give you victory. I believe he can. David and Jonathan remained loyal and loving. What do we do if the father answers roughly? Yearn for what is right. Be willing to be wrong. Pray. Remain loyal and loving. And finally, number four, go in peace. Go in peace. Look at the Bible. says the last two verses. This is a sad two verses in the Bible. David's heart is broken. As soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. 
tried my best to figure out exactly what that means. David exceeded. But I'm pretty sure that David just cried louder than Jonathan did. It was a sad moment. It was weeping, brokenheartedness. The Bible says in verse 42, and Jonathan gives great advice to David. Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. I'll have you know something. David did just that. From this point forward, in the life of Saul, Saul never lives another day that he is not full of rage and anger, seeking to kill David. But David, in turn, responds by going in peace. Even as we study through the story of David, and we'll see it many times in detail, even when David is given a chance, he is so close one time to Saul when he's asleep and incapacitated that he cuts off part of his garment just to prove how close he was. It's kind of fun because I love the spirit of David. He is convicted that he cut Saul's garment. But even when he's given a chance and has an opportunity, David will not return wrath for wrath, anger for anger, bitterness for bitterness, harm for harm. He goes in peace. So how in the world can you do that? Preacher, you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. I probably don't. How can I do that? How can I go in peace? And I'll tell you, here's how you can go in peace. You go in peace remembering that your persecutor is in God's hands. You can go in peace when you remember that your persecutor is in God's hands. The Bible says very plainly, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. It's not your place to seek revenge. It's not your place to carry around bitterness and anger. It's not your place. As a matter of fact, when you do, you attempt to take the place of God. And I'll just have you know something. You are a terrible God. God's Word teaches us to go in peace. How do we deal? What if the Father answers roughly? How do we deal with being undone, mistreated? David and Jonathan gave us a great example. I'll say it one more time and conclude. Yearn for what is right. Be willing to be wrong. Pray. Remain loyal and loving. Go in peace, remembering that the persecutor is in God's hands. We can trust him. We can trust him. You know what God can give us and wants to Irregardless to the difficulty of the moment, God can give us peace and joy and satisfaction and happiness when we yield to Him. What if thy father speaketh roughly? <laughs> Chances are He's going to. Chances are you're going to deal with this. The good news is God's got it. Trust Him. Respond righteously.